You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now, here is more to the story. And welcome to this edition of More to the Story. I'm Mike Haynes, and join today for week two with Pastor Drew. Hi, hey, Pastor. Mike. Hey, Darren. Good to see you guys. <laughs> hey, Pastor up? Darren, how are you? Doing well, doing well. All right. Well, last week, we talked about the overview of what is going to be happening for at least the next 15 months. At least. Or, <laughs> at least. <laughs> you are going to be covering from Genesis to Revelation the entire Bible. And today, we're going to jump right into it, start with Genesis 1-1. So, the big question to begin, before God created heaven and earth, what was going on? What That's was right. God doing? How was he existing? Was he by himself? Was he just sitting there in the dark because later he created light? What was happening, guys, before he created everything? Yeah, Mike, let's just jump right in. I love it. Let's go. Yeah, Genesis 1-1, you get this picture, right? In the beginning, God, right? God created everything. And I don't know if you, did you guys ever see that very first Thor movie, right? You think, you know, I'm a big Marvel guy. I love the right. Marvel movies. You get this picture of like Odin, right? He's on his throne and he's got like this gold scepter and he's in this beautiful palace. And I think people get the picture like, oh, that was, was that was God was doing right before everything started. But God doesn't tell us what he's doing. He just says in the beginning, I created everything. I think from scripture, we can get this idea that there is this spiritual realm and that there was nothing physical at the time, but God just really doesn't tell us. Um, well, we can take away later on that God's having conversation with angels or God's having conversation with the Trinity. Hint, talk about that next week. Yep. You know, what's God really talking about? Uh, we see later on that uh, there is a, like a spiritual power struggle going on in heaven. But at this time, we really don't know what was God doing, was doing. I don't think he had Netflix back then, or maybe, maybe Jesus and him were playing shuffleboard in heaven. Or, There's no or, playoff games going on. No, no playoff games, for sure. Darren, your thoughts on, was it just completely dark? Were there, were there angels? Well, I mean, yeah, God, God had to create lights so we could see first, so obviously it was dark. Yeah. But. He didn't have any mag lights back in those days. No, no. Yeah, it's, it's really... It, it's hard for me to answer because the Bible doesn't really get into that much. You know, the Bible talks about God being eternal, of course. Um, we, we know that the Trinity had existed, you know, in three, in one, God, Father, Son, um, uh, Holy Spirit, eternally. And so certainly God has always been. But for humans to, like, comprehend that is just tough. And that's mm. what the Bible talks about, too. It's like the, the mysteries of God are unknowable to, to man in this age. It, so it's, it's really hard to know. Um, fun to have some some conversations about, but ultimately, as we look at the text, that's not a question it's it's designed to answer. Right. I think one of the things that we've talked about is God's trying to show us more of the of the who and the why, and so He's He's telling us what we need to know. And so I, I firmly believe that if God wanted us to know what was going on in in the spiritual realm of heaven before He created the world. He would let us know right in Genesis, but we'll get a picture of that later in Isaiah. And there's some other um, elements that we get to see some, some peaks behind the curtain. 
but he doesn't, I think, I think he doesn't tell us what, what he was doing beforehand because that's not what the meaning of Genesis one is all about. God's trying to tell us who made it and why he made it. All right, let's dive right into it. So God created the heavens and the earth. All right. How did this happen? Was it just, boom, here we go, day one, here's heaven, here's earth, uh, or where does evolution fit into this? This is, this is a hot topic, guys, to talk yeah. about. How does it, how, what does he do to create everything? Yeah, so as we ask that question, how, you know, Drew's mentioned it several times in his sermons, um, that it's, it's not necessarily the right question, but it is a question I know that, that a lot of us have. And so as we come to, the, to Scripture and ask how, and we see written down there that there, there are seven days, and on each day God does something. And so, well, yeah, of course, seven-day creation. Um, and here's the thing. I certainly think it's within God's power to do that. I don't think that's not how it happened, but neither do I think that it, evolution is necessarily how it happened either. I really don't know. The Bible isn't designed to answer those questions. Um, an interesting thing about the, the word for day, yom, some people think it might be age. We might talk about that here a little more. Um, but most of the time in the Bible, that word does mean day. It, it means a 24-hour period. You know, sun down, sun up. In the Jewish mind, the day begins in the evening. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. It says, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day, the second day, so on and so forth. But, again, if we use Genesis here as a scientific document to try to figure out how, you have a day, a 24-hour period, before you have the sun, which is what constitutes a 24-hour period, going down, rising up, going down again. And so uh, what we really have to start with as we have this debate between creation and evolution is where do we start with our worldview? Like where, if, if we believe that God created everything, that's the beginning of a worldview. But if we don't believe that there's a God, then that is the beginning of a different worldview. And, and then you, you, you can hardly talk about those two things in the same instances. You're, you're kind of passing each other on, on the road. And it's an interstate that there's a big divide between you two that a scientific document and, and Genesis 1 aren't designed to talk to each other in that way. Yeah, exactly. And on Sunday, we talked about there seems to be this perceived conflict between science and the Bible. And if you guys remember, we, we really said that doesn't make sense. Because if you think about it, God speaks to us through the Bible and through nature. And so there's no argument, there's no conflict between nature and the Bible. That's how God speaks to us, and he's revealing something to us. Well, we study nature with science, and we study the Bible through theology, but it's people like us who have an imperfect knowledge, right? As Darren mentioned, you know, Romans and Isaiah both say that God's ways are higher than our ways. Like He's unsearchable. And so you and I with limited knowledge are trying to understand nature and the Bible, and we study it with science and theology. So the conflict really is between us, right? And it starts with our worldview. Because, Mike, if you come from a worldview that says, hey, I'm going to try to explain how this got here, it's impossible to explain, but I'm going to try to come up with a theory, and I, I'm going to take God out of the equation, and I come with a worldview that says, no, God is the starting point, then you're going to be working really hard on step one when I'm already at step two, three, and four. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Part of the thing is, we all have children here in this room, and they're all going through schools that have teachers that say, oh, no, it, you know what? It was, it was some little amoeba, then there's fish, and they start walking on land, and then there's a monkey, and he turns to a human. And then you're, you're asking Christian kids then to go, that's not really what I'm learning in church. So how do, how do Christian 
kids who are learning in school deal with creationism versus, uh, you know, evolution? And, and I know the Bible doesn't have have all the answers for us, but I think I think that's something that parents and and kids have to deal with all the time in school, right? Yeah, I'll, and I'll say one thing as we get into this discussion. There's a difference in in science and the terms that we use between a law and a theory. So if something is a law, that means that this water bottle that I have on my table, if I lift it up and I let go, it's going to fall. And that will happen one million times out of one million times on this earth. Um, of course, we know as you get into space, that's a little different. You let it go, it just floats there. But as you're on earth, there is a law of gravity that things will fall down towards the earth. Whereas if something is a theory, it's something that has been tested and, and hypothesized about and, and gone through the scientific method, and the results have been consistent a lot. But there are still some things left unanswered, and so it's a theory. So when we talk about evolution, it is still a theory. It is not something that has become a law like gravity. And so even the scientific community has to admit I think, um, I hope I'm not, not misspeaking here because we're guys with theological degrees, Drew and I. Right. And so we, <laughs> I hope we're not stepping on a minefield I'm here. I'm only a pretend scientist. <laughs> right. we, we like to think that, that we're read and well-learned, but the reality is I only have a liberal arts, like I took a couple science classes in college. Uh, but anyway, the, the idea is that when something's a theory, it, it's not quite for certain yet. Where something's a law, like, yeah, that's going to happen. And it's, it, it is, it's not going to be proven wrong unless we find some kind of crazy gravitational anomaly like you do in Marvel movies. Right, over right. Here. Well, and even go right. back and look at Darwin said, right? right? Darwin said, if it proves that the, the cell is not simple, then my theory breaks down. Now, that was 100 plus years ago, right? And science has come a long way, but it's still the idea, right? These are theories. And, and, and so when we come and we say, hey, what is God trying to say to us? I think we can see that God is telling us not the how, but the who and the why. The reality though, Mike, is that we want answers, right? So we come to the Bible and we want it to give right. us the answer on the how because naturally we are inquisitive people and we want to know how. Like, how did all this get here? How did you do it, God? How, how long did it take? And all these things. And the Bible doesn't give us all those answers, but God did give us nature. And so I think he gives us the Bible and nature to illuminate each other. And that's where we have to learn to read the Bible for all it's worth and also be able to read nature the book of nature for all it's worth. And so you ask that question, what do we tell our kids, right? You walk into school and it's taught to you that, hey, this is just a fact when it's a theory, as Darren just mentioned so well. And so I have to say, well, what is God trying to tell us in Genesis 1? I think God's giving us the starting point. And so when we talk to our kids, and one thing I want all the kids at Forefront to learn is that if we start with, okay, God said he's the one that created all this then we can filter through so many of the things we learn at school. And then we can start to make sense of the stuff that has been created because God is the creator. Is there a lot of questions on that left unanswered? For sure. For mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. And I think as science go, as science continues to, to grow and our ability to read the Bible continue to grow, I think we're going to get better at letting them complete each other. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I love science. Um, I, another career option open to me was to be an engineer you know, do a lot of math and, and do a lot of science. I, I love that realm of things. Ultimately, I just chose to go with music and now seminary. Um, but as far as what I'm going to teach Evangeline, uh, you know, as she gets older and um, getting into school, I'm like, praise, praise God for science. Like, I, I think that science is just figuring out how God made it work. Mm. Like, right. it's, it, it's, it's really awesome to see. Um, 
uh, a lot of times I, I hear a Christian scientist will say like, yeah, as you get down into to the minutia of the smallest of cells and like what, what holds a cell together, what holds the atom together in order to make, to, to make life? Like what in the world is behind this thing? Like I'm, I'm a collection of cells, a collection of, of organs and a collection of tissues that right. somehow is able to walk and talk and think and spin. like <laughs> what in the world, how did, in the world that happened? God, praise God. Yeah. And, right. and to think there's, a soul inside you too. Yeah. It's just mind blowing. Think about. Let's well, let's move let's move through uh, this week. We're we're going through first uh, chapter in in Genesis, and let's let's just start going through the days, and and you guys can also continue to discuss. Is it twenty four hours? Are there billions of right. years between right. these circumstances? Let's start with light. After God's created everything, now he's now the days are going by. Why did there need to be light? What what was that about? So there's this really cool pattern you'll see, Mike, day one corresponds to day four, day two, day five, day three, day six. And so in day one, it's let there be light. And there's this, if in this pattern, you'll notice that God 10 times says, let there be, and there is. So there's like this decree. So again, what is God saying to the people, these ancient Near East readers? He's saying that I am the creator king, right? Let there be, and there is. I mean, there, there was no voting system back in the day. <laughs> what do you right? guys think about? I mean, yeah, you know. This. Whatever your views on voting rights, <laughs> these people had no rights. Ancient Near East people, right. you listen to what the king said. And so God is demonstrating again to these ancient Near East readers, let there be and there is, I'm the king. And so let there be light and there's light. Let there be air and there's air. But you see this pattern, right? And so what we talked about on Sunday was within this pattern, you see God creates, but then he fills it with life and he gives it purpose. Now, you have to start somewhere though, right? And so he creates the heavens and the earth. And he says, let there be light. So, Darren, when did the sun come in? <laughs> yeah. So, as I already mentioned, like, th- there's light. On- like uh, you were Mahomes <laughs> yeah. or <everyone. laughs> Yeah, th- there's light on day one. But then on day four, that's when the sun and, and moon and stars are created. And so, once again, it, it, a scientific document, well, the moon doesn't give light. But that's that's what, what this Bible says. that the, the He created the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And that's the moon and the sun, but the moon just reflects light. We know that now that, that they would not have, have understood how, how the moon can reflect light, but that's, that's how it is. So yeah, on, on day one, there's light. And then day four, there's bodies given dominion to rule the light and to shine the light. And then on day two, we have uh, the sky and the sea mm-hmm. created. There's this vault that separates and expanse that's created. Um, and then on day five, those areas, the sky and the sea are populated. And, and God gives dominion to the birds to rule the air and the fish to rule the sea. And then on day three, he creates the land and vegetation. And on day six, he creates the animals to have dominion in a sense over the land and eat the vegetation, including humans. Right. And, and what I love about this, and let's just take the light, for instance. If you take the laws of science, which I'm not going to get too deep in because, you know, I, I can't speak Einstein uh, as well as some can, but we, we look at the universe and we see that the universe is expanding, right? And we see that that um, planets circulate around stars and that galaxies have billions of stars, right? It's it's amazing to think about, right? So when you see day one and day and day four, are we saying well there actually weren't any stars in the universe until day four? Again, I don't think God's telling us how. I think He's telling us who and He's telling us why. So on day four, He's saying, hey. 
all of these lights you see, they are to give light to life and to give us time. So he's getting purpose. He's like, I'm creating time wow. on day four based on what I created on day one. So in theory, you could say day one, God created all of the stars and planets in the universe. In day four, he actually gives them purpose. And so I think what God is saying again is, I'm not telling you how, but I'm telling you why. And, and also don't forget that the context the Israelites would have heard this in was when they just came out of Egypt. They knew how the Egyptians thought their gods created things. They also knew how the Babylonians thought that they created things. And, and what this tells us is that those worldviews, the Egyptians and the Babylonians, are not correct. And so when God creates the lights, that means that the Egyptian god, whose name is Atum, who eventually becomes Ra, the sun god, no, God created that. God, Yahweh, that the name of, of God here in the Bible is the chief God. He is the highest. He is the, the best. And the, the, to, to the Israelites, the only one that they should have worshipped. Also, he, God created the great sea monsters, whereas Babylonians, the great sea monster had to be defeated by their god, Marduk, in order for Babylon to be created. So there's, there's dueling uh, creation stories here that, that the Israelites are, are being communicated to them that, no, here's how our god, his name is Yahweh, here's how our god created things, and it's not like them, they're wrong, this is how it is. And God does this really cool thing, Mike, where he takes things that we know to make sense of. Right. And so if God was going to speak to us today, he would take something in 21st century speak that we understood to give us context. Right. So he's given context to these ancient Near East readers. And he's using, like Darren said, their creation myths and correcting it. Because what was the biggest question that these Israelites who got rescued out of Egypt wanted to know? Right. They grow up in Egypt. They hear about all these little gods. You don't want to make mad because you want to, it to rain and you want your crops to grow. And all of a sudden you see 10 plagues happen get rescued out of Egypt, you go through the Red Sea, and God parts the waters. And you're going, who is this God that just rescued us out of here, right? And so now Moses is saying, let me tell you who he is. He is the creator, not a tomb, not Ra, not Geb, and Nut, and Tefnut, and all these weird Egyptian gods, uh, not Marduk, not these Babylonian gods you've heard about. It's actually just one God. And then he's later going to say in the Shema, which we'll have fun with in Deuteronomy, that the Lord is your God and he is the only God. And so learn to follow him. And so there is this, I mean, 40-year journey he's going to take them on to teach them that he is the only God. And, and so he uses context that they understand in creation mythology to make sense of like, no, I'm actually the one who created all this. And you see that in verse two, actually, where he talks about the earth was formless and void and God's spirit was hovering over the deep. That's in direct conflict with the Egyptian myth of creation because their fake, you know, little fake God spoke himself out of the water and hovered over the waters. And God's saying, no, 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 no. It's actually my spirit that hovers over the waters that brings life and adds order to the chaos. So it's really cool. In 21st century, we, we, we can't really grasp it because our context is different. But if we can learn to set ourselves back in that context, it's beautiful and it opens up for us. I don't want to drag you guys back into the, the murky science waters, but if we follow along with Darren was explaining on the, the different days what was happening. We, you go through water and sky, uh, vegetation, you get the birds, you get the fish. All right, got to ask, where are the dinosaurs in this? Where are the dinosaurs? Come on. <laughs> well, just like John Dutton rides a horse, I want to say that, you know, Adam was probably riding a, a triceratops. <laughs> okay. 
I mean, again, science in the Bible, yeah. right? You know, we or not again, nature in the Bible, nature, we've yeah. unearthed fossils that right. show dinosaurs did exist. Mm. And we see that God created creepy things and animals to, to, you know, give purpose and add life to the earth. So did God create dinosaurs? For sure. Did dinosaurs and humans live at the same time? We don't know. They, they just missed the ark. <laughs> they were late. They, they, their tickets said five, but the ark left at three. That's right. So. Yeah. It must be the only God, God's plan for the dinosaurs was not to, to float for, right. for 40 days. And there, when these were great, every, everybody got along. This, now, we're talking before man gets here and, and the fall of man. So at this point, mosquitoes, cockroaches, do they not exist squirrels. or they just get along with squirrels? <laughs> oh, you've got a problem with squirrels? I hate squirrels. I just, <laughs> oh. They're of the devil. <laughs> but is everything just, it's really all the start of the Garden of Eden. It's just a wonderful time, right? Are we gathering that at this point, that everything is working perfectly? Yeah, I mean, as God created it, the world was good. Mm -hmm. um, but here, the interesting thing is, as we'll get on and further in, in the Garden in Genesis 3, um, is that God is one who defines what is good mm -hmm. and he defines what is bad. So here we see in, in Genesis 1, there's there's several times God says, this is good, it's good, it's good. Oh, humans, very good. Mm. And and so he's the one who defines what is good, and everything is good. There's nothing that is bad. Then he plants this tree that has the knowledge of good and bad, and then interesting things happen with that. We'll leave that for later. But it, when when we allow God to define that, everything is good. And, and so that's like, yeah, everything was good. Mosquito bites probably didn't itch. Uh, cockroaches, <laughs> like yeah, who knows? They didn't show up in your kitchen. <laughs> yeah, when you turn that light on, oh, and all lived to those poor places. Yeah, gazelles and lions—they were yeah. they were buddies. They watched football together. Yeah, and that's the <laughs> and that's the the vision that we get in, in Revelation. The lion lies down with the lamb. Like things are are returning to a state in which they were in the garden, and yet the garden is more developed. In the sermon bumper, we say, "How do we go from a garden to a city?" Because that's the two different images we get. In, in Genesis 2, there's a garden. In Revelation 20, 21, 22, there's a city. Mm -hmm. where, yeah. where are we at this point? God, why is God doing this? I think this is because, obviously, um, there, from what we can gather, there was God, and we don't really know what was happening right. before he created everything. So why start this? Why, why does he do this? I think the Bible gives us a couple really good pictures. One is for his glory. Now, we don't get that. Again, our minds are finite, right? right. We love our own glory. Yeah. We, don't, we, don't, we, we uh, don't get this idea of God's glory. But imagine you are the most magnificent being that has ever existed in the history of anything, right? We can't wrap our minds around that. So, so God does it to display his glory. Now, we see throughout the scripture that God does things to display his glory. God sends the plagues, we'll talk about in a few, in a month or so, to display his power, right, to the, to the Pharaoh. And so I think God creates all that we see. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God, right? So when you and I walk outside and we look up at the stars and we see 98 billion light years is what scientists imagine right. the size of the universe is. It gets your mind wrapped around that. Yeah. That's, that, you know, every star we see has got, so much going on and, and, and so many different galaxies. That is to show God's glory. But I think, why does God create us? I think for relationship. And so God creates this beautiful place, kind of like, think about being a, being a dad. You know, all of us have kids. There's something beautiful in parenthood. And I think God shows a little bit of his character to us in that same way that we get to live that out. 
And so God creates us in this world for relationship. You know, we are his children. It all goes vastly wrong in Genesis 3, but here it's good and it's very good, as, as Darren just said. So I think God has, yeah. God has a purpose for why he made it. But, but Darren, he, he has this purpose, but he also, all-knowing, knows it's going to go wrong. So why does he start this? Oh man! Okay, so the can just came off. <laughs> Sorry, oh. gotta ask these questions. Worms, worms everywhere. <laughs> okay, so we open the can of worms, right? And it's gonna be impossible to close. But we can talk about this. This is a running theme throughout the Bible that we're gonna talk about because you have very, very big schools of thought on this. Reform theology, which tries to say, let's fit this into a nice, tidy little box and make sense of it. And you got more of the free will. Um, thought processes that, you know, God can look down the annals of time and, and know who says yes, but he gives us the ability to choose. So which one is it? Did God know Adam and Eve were going to sin? Well, if God knew, the, the Bible mm-hmm. says that, that, you know, God foreknew and predestined those that said yes to Jesus to be conformed to his image, then yes, God did know sin would come. But why did he allow it? Well, I, I think you have two running themes throughout the Bible and that you have to wrestle with attention and at some point realize that we can't answer it. It's that God does give us free will to, to choose and say yes or no, but that God is also sovereign and in control, right? So does God make things happen? Yes. Does God give us the ability to choose? Yes. Do we need to say yes? Yes. And God wants to work through our choices. Exactly. Through us. But exactly. He And he already knows what the answers are going to be. Right. But God, <laughs> you know, from what we can tell in Scripture, doesn't want to be a puppet master. So he creates Adam and Eve, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks, and they make a really bad choice. But he allows it to happen because he loves and he allows free will. So, again, how do we wrap our minds around that? We will unpack that for the next 15 months because that is <laughs> the theme of redemption. But what do we know from now when God created the world and he created it good, there was nothing sinful yet. But there is a theory out there called the gap theory. And I want to just tickle this out sure. because between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, some will say, well, God created the heavens and the earth. Then all of a sudden we find the world dark, empty, and void. Is that when the power struggle in heaven happened? Satan grabbed a bunch of angels and tried to revolt against God. We see this in the book of Isaiah. And then now God casts Satan and the, and the demons now, right? These fallen angels out of heaven. And so God created everything good. Things were good. Then all of a sudden Satan tried to have a power struggle against God and God cast him to the earth. Is that what happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2? That's called the gap theory. Right. And there's a lot of fun to talk about with that. Yeah. So I'm actually taking uh, an intensive uh, Hebrew study class on Isaiah this semester. So check back in in about five, mo- five <laughs> months and I'll answer this for us. <laughs> what is Isaiah? All right. But yeah. So with that gap theory. So as we read Genesis one and two, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, period. That's where that gap is. So God created it. Billions, eons, whatever of, of years happened. Now the earth was formless and empty. And so when we come to that and look at it in English, that might be an okay way to look at it. However, when we look at it in the Hebrew, the first word of the Bible uh, actually has some controversy with it. Like you, you don't get very far in and, and you're already in trouble. The first word of the Bible um, is, is reshit, which means beginning, first, head, uh, you know, that realm of meaning. But Chief. Yeah. Sorry. You got to bring gonna... the chiefs in. Yeah, every yeah, we single got podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so we have reshit, um, beginning, but it has a, a preposition attached to it, which is just a b sound. So b reshit, and that b sound means in, with, by, that kind of thing. But when you have 
that uh, preposition attached to a, a word like reshit, it can also create this clause. If you remember anything about your English grammar, a clause is something that's dependent on, on something else. So if I say, um, when I go to the store, that that needs another thing. When I go to the store, I'm going to get milk. Right. That's a complete thought. So um, w another way that we could translate the beginning of Genesis here is that when God began to create the heavens and the earth, then the earth was formless and empty. So he created it, but it was still in this chaotic state with the water, with the things in there. And so if we look at the Hebrew like that, which I will admit is not a super popular um, I think one of my professors at seminary said that's about a 30 to 40 percent um, of scholars like that and think that's the way it is. But if we look at it that way, then that just negates any chance for there to be a gap there because verse one is dependent on verse two. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, is that that's dependent on what comes next? Right, and I think too, in in completing that thought, if you if you say, hey, how do I learn to read the Bible for all it's worth? Right? And I'm going to say God's not telling me how, but he's telling me why, and he's telling me who. What God is doing in, in Genesis 1-2 is he's, he's saying, hey, the Egyptian myth was this, there was nothing but dark water. Then this fake God who spoke himself out of that water hovered over the water. God's saying, no, in the beginning, I created it. I created the dark water. Everything was formless and void. And then my spirit came and created life. And we said, let there be light. And so again, I don't think God necessarily is saying that there was just this void and emptiness. God is just saying that, that let me correct your wrong thinking from the ancient Near East point of, point of view. And so again, God is telling us who in this case. But it's really fun to talk about because the gap theory is kind of goofy and, and kind of fun to dive into. <laughs> it's great. And unfortunately, though, we have run out of time this oh. week, but we've got a great cliffhanger. Man is coming. Man is coming. <laughs> and, and then what happens after that? So make sure you tune in next week. Yes. Uh, to uh, more to the story. Pastor Drew, thanks very much. Thanks, Mike. We'll uh, see you guys we, next are we, time. Are we clear now on... <laughs> it just got more muddy. There's still worms here on the table. <laughs> Everywhere. Thank you, Pastor Darren. Thank All you. right. So next week, we get into uh, the end of Genesis 1 when man arrives and then uh, we're going to go from there, what happens in the garden, and then the fall of man. So big week coming next week. Hope that you enjoyed this podcast. It's been a lot of fun. I'm Mike Haynes, and thanks very much for listening to More to the Story. You have been listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.